Hey everyone, this is Nathan Holiday, and welcome to another episode of the Gym Mastery Podcast, the place to be for success-oriented gym owners looking for an edge. Listen to great conversations with super smart gym owners, entrepreneurs, and professionals who are changing the game. Today, we have Mather Wiswall, a longtime marketer and designer that's been running events of all kinds for over 15 years. Currently the head of marketing and competition for the Florida Grid League, or FGL for short. Uh, Along with being a media and marketing consultant for Level Method, Mather brings a depth of knowledge and experience that you don't want to miss. So today we actually talk about the sport of grid, uh, the Florida Grid League, and also some gold nuggets around social media strategy. So let's get to the show. Mather, welcome to the show, man. Uh, I we were just talking about it. I know you recorded an episode with Scott like six months ago that never got posted. Um, and I've been looking forward to having you back on. We work a lot together, you know, week to week. Um, and I just wanted to give everybody really quick, maybe a high level overview of your background. Well, I'll let you do that. But uh, so could you give everyone listening maybe just a quick background of you and sort of where you come from and what you do? So uh, I am from Philadelphia. I started out as a designer for different, it was an event company. So we did things like trade shows and uh, grand openings and whatnot, um, movie openings. And so I've been involved with design, branding, and events for coming up on 20 years now. Um, And then of course, 2010, I got involved with CrossFit for the first time. I just had my almost 11 year anniversary now with CrossFit. Um, But at the same time, kind of blended my passion for uh, events and design and marketing and business with CrossFit and started running some CrossFit competitions in the, in the Philadelphia area. And, um, and then, of course, as that developed, we started coming up with plans and ideas uh, that very closely mimicked what GRID uh, in, was intended to be initially in 2014. And so when we heard about um, the ideas being drawn up by Tony Budding about uh, GRID, we decided to get involved because, it, like I said, it very closely oriented with how the direction of our competition business was going. So got involved there, fell in love uh, with the sport of grid. That's how I met you and Sean. And then, um, you know, in 2017, started the Florida Grid League with my sister, Ruby. And uh, that has continued to grow since then and got involved with Level Method in, I think it was 2019. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the, the major points of how we got here today. So, you know, for those that I think most people know what grid is, but maybe explain just real quick at a high level, like what the, what happens in grid and like why it's so exciting, you know, that the whole, the races, everything, just kind of give a high level overview of what grid is as a sport. Yeah. So grid is, uh, made up of matches. That is a grid event. Uh, it's a team sport with uh, a match is two teams going head to head. Team is made up of um, 16 active players, half of which are male, half are female. And the players have a wide range of kind of specialties or top abilities. And they are on a team to perform a race. So a grid match is made up of a series of these races 
that are configured differently. Some are strength biased, so they have a lot of barbell, heavy barbells in them or other strength apparatus. And then some are more body weight oriented, so they have a lot of, you know, say pull-ups or pistols. And then everything in between. There's strongman elements, there's powerlifting, Olympic lifting, then a lot of different CrossFit movements. And then we've also developed a lot of our own movements to help come and demonstrate the athleticism of some lower players. So um, like I said, these matches are made up of a series of races. And then whoever wins the most races, according to the point system, wins the match. And then the structure of the sport is very similar to any other team sport. So like football, baseball, basketball. There's a regular season, a playoff and championship, and um, there's city-based teams. So there's an inherent fan base, um, you know, associated with the city. And so, uh, you know, the kind of long-term vision and goal is to bring the first uh, co-ed or uh, team sport where men and women are treated equally into, um, you know, the, the mainstream. So follow the kind of path of, of football and basketball and baseball, um, which is obviously a long path, uh, but we think it has all of the makings of a modern team sport because it does focus on equality uh, between gender and then diversity because you need all different kinds of body types, all different kinds of backgrounds and skill sets to be an effective grid team. So those characteristics combined with the fact that these races are super exciting, short and fast, they're for short attention spans. They were designed to be fun to watch, which is unlike most other sports in the world. And, um, and that combined with all the characteristics that really speak to the direction of society today in equality and diversity. Um, you know, that's why we think that uh, it has the potential to be a major sport in the world in the long run. Um, but whether it is or not, we're just enjoying the ride and we love the sport as it is and just want to keep it building. And you, you'd mentioned, you know, like the, the, it's designed as a spectator, like it's designed to be watched and it's, you know, it's pretty, it's an exciting sport. Anybody that hasn't watched it and who has, hasn't seen how the races, there's basically two lanes and mm-hmm. it's like head to head and it comes down to the wire like a lot of times and everyone's mm-hmm. just it's the, like what in 2013 14 when i was i think it's around that time um mm-hmm. when I, you know we'd watch these it was when grid was first starting and it would be like the most electric environment you know and i'm sure it's the same way that that's the nature mm-hmm. of the sport and i haven't been to any grid mm-hmm. uh, events for a long time but i remember I used to do some writing for, for grid and it was just some of the most exciting stuff. And that's really when it comes to creating a sport that sort of needs to be at the forefront. It, Cause you look at a sport like baseball, no offense to baseball, but it can mm-hmm. be kind of like some, in some cases, a little boring to watch, right? There's a lot mm-hmm. of fans out there. So if that sport was being created today, would it be able to get any legs? And like, that's always, that was like one of the, the early, like sort of conversations that were being had. And now uh, grid is starting up and it sort of has that, the, the, the design of it is to be watched and to have, uh, you know, this super high excitement and the difference really with CrossFit, like there's a lot of, a lot of similar movements, right? There's a lot of, there are some similarities with it, but grid is much more geared towards like specialties of like, you have uh, people that have really strong strengths um, and you have the utility players that might be more like CrossFit base, but for the most part, it's, it's kind of on the, 
the stronger you are at a certain thing, the better player you will be for those sorts of uh, those races, right? Is that kind of how it works? Yeah. So, um, you know, just to speak towards the excitement factor, because yes, it was designed to be exciting. And I think as the Florida Grid League, we've got what, seven, eight years of grid now in our league. We've been able to evolve it a little bit so that it's even more exciting now because we've seen what components of races develop excitement and how to keep it even amongst the teams as much as possible so that there is that excitement finish. So we've definitely upped the percentage of matches that come down to the final race since Mm -hmm. the original days of grid pretty significantly. So, you know, those are characteristics that um, are designed to be fun. It's very simple. You start at the start line, you finish at the finish line. And if it's exciting, what's in between, anybody can watch it and have a good time. Um, the other thing is we're, we're working on ways to involve the sport that one team can influence the other team's performance. Um, and so, you know, the one thing that was lacking in the sport of grid is there's no defense. You can't influence what happens in the other lane. Well, we're kind of involving new races and new rules to allow that to happen. You so. like throw tennis balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, marbles. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so as far as um <laughs> that's great. But as far as the the comparison across it, what we you know, first let me say we love CrossFit. We are all CrossFitters. I just had my 10 year anniversary. Uh some people assume because we play in the same space that we're competitors or anti that's not the case at all we see this as uh you know another way to enjoy what you develop in crossfit so if somebody wants to play the sport of grid and they don't know how to snatch we send them to crossfit you know um and uh so we see a very uh, synergistic coexistence where when you want to focus on fitness and being fit and uh learning some of these functional movements go to CrossFit. When you want to take what you learn in CrossFit and find your skill sets that uh, happen to be a really good fit for you physically. Um, and then whatever your background is contributes to that. So however your body type is, or however your neurological system best benefits your physical activity, um, that's your spot in grid. So you go do that and have fun and, and, and play a game with it. So um, we care as much about fitness as football does, uh, which is not a lot. It really, you just need to be good at your individual role on a team. And that really has nothing to do with fitness at all. So just like there's linemen in football who might not fit your classical definition of fit. There are some big fellows in grid that can move a barbell like nobody you've ever seen, but they don't fit your traditional definition of fit. So um, that's really the biggest difference between us and CrossFit is we don't care about fitness. It has nothing to do with fitness. It has to do about here's a race. Here's a, a set of elements that need to be completed. You need to have certain physical abilities to complete those elements. And you, you're given 18 or 16 bodies to go out there with and perform those elements the fast that you possibly can. It has nothing to do with fitness whatsoever. It's a sport. So, it's like a, it's a, it's a, a legit sport. sport. In, in the true essence of the word is a sport. A lot of people will say, you know, CrossFit's not a sport because of X, Y, and Z. We don't really get into that. It doesn't really matter. We love CrossFit. We love watching it. You know, we like the games like anybody else as just happened and whatnot. 
Um, and so we're not trying to take away from CrossFit in any way. We're just completely different. We're a separate category altogether. And so I hope we get to the point where we support one each other, one another as we grow. Um, you know, CrossFit right now, we're, we're, I don't know what they think about us. Um, doesn't matter too, too much to us, except that we'd like to work together. We'd like to bring more fitness to the world. Um, we'd like to support what CrossFit is doing. Because anytime I'm on one of these interviews or talk to anybody, I always say, you know, I'm a CrossFitter through and through. I love CrossFit. And um, I hope that it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I hope we're a tool for CrossFit to get bigger. And I hope that um, CrossFit someday realizes, I think they will, that we can be that role for them. And then we are just another outlet to create physical uh, competition opportunity for what CrossFit provides. So. And, you know, that kind of brings up, you know, from, uh, you know, gym owners, right? Uh, gym owners out there are probably wondering, like, how does grid fit in? What is, how does it work? But you can look at it like it could almost be people that want to compete. There are different, you know, how do you compete? What, where do you go? And if you're going to be doing CrossFit competition, because you mentioned earlier earlier that in the early days you, you did CrossFit competitions, um, mm -hmm. And now like there might be a, an avenue for people in the gym that might want to go and be a specialist in grid in some, you know, in some form. So how does, you know, grid work into the gym community and how have you seen it successful? Cause I know that a lot of CrossFit gyms, they include grid. They have, I mean, it, most of them are coming out of like the teams are coming out across the gyms. Right. So how does that mm -hmm. all work? Yeah. So uh, first of all, when a gym owner owns a team in the Florida grid league, it's an incredibly credible community builder because the gym rallies around the team. You know, it's their kind of uh, they're sending out their troops in, into, um, you know, these matches. And the same is true for even when there's a player within a gym, because it's a local thing that people can go to and support a player from a gym and root for them uh, as a representation of the gym. So it's a, it's a great community builder. Uh, but then you also, you know, mentioned like every gym community has a varied set of athletes and a varied set of skill sets within those athletes. So the classic example is, um, you know, every gym has somewhat new, newer uh, athletes that haven't been on their fitness journey for a very long time. And, you know, they might be a little bit on the heavier side. They're still working on getting their weight down and whatnot. But they're stronger than your average athlete. Um, they have more mass. They uh, have a, maybe have a great deadlift. Well, now, you know, they would never enter a CrossFit competition because there's pull-ups in it. There's double unders in it. There's box jumps in it. But you can send out the player uh, to do deadlifts, and they're going to be the best on the floor at that. Now, they might never have experienced that opportunity to be the best in any physical um, competition they've been in before at a single element. So, you know, we've seen where even, you know, all levels versions of grid has had incredible impact on people that have never really competed before because they found their physical niche on one of these teams and now can be a part of a team in a way that they never have before. And there's nothing that builds a community better than that. When you can share a team driven experience where everybody utilizes their own individual uh, physical characteristics to come together as a team and uh, win or lose together, but fight together, utilizing each other's uh, skills and abilities and depending on one another for their own individual skills and abilities. 
and communicating and working together and developing a game plan together. So all of the reasons that we play team sports growing up exist in, in, in grid today. Um, and it, it just allows a wider range of physical abilities to be involved in, in a form of competition. That's even better at bringing people together because they, it's a team sport. When it comes to owning a gym, showing your members their progress and keeping them engaged long-term is really tough. And Level Method provides functional fitness gyms with a visual step-by-step fitness progression system that's fun, engaging, and easy to use so that regular folks in your gym can reach their fitness goals safer and faster than ever before and become raving fans of your gym. Yeah, and like I wrote down, um, you know, competition as an element of almost personal development, right? So like mm-hmm. the the putting yourself into an environment you know, like that is a little stressful, but you get to be highlighted and you get to be to, you get to do your the thing that you're good at and mm-hmm. really be focused on like within level method we are about fitness, right? And so what we, the way level method works, as everybody, most people know, um, you're working with your lowest level. So Mm -hmm. you might have reds in these things, and then you might have yellow in something. And level method is really designed to highlight that weakness and then move up the weaknesses, right? Mm -hmm. But grid is almost, it's flipped. It's like, I mean, obviously you still might want to work your weaknesses if you're coming to the gym or whatever, but you could come and you could just, highlight your strengths and then, you know, go into an environment where you you're forced to make decisions on the fly, be in a stressful environment. And that can really push someone to grow, uh, faster, right. That's kind of like the growth. And now when you see like the, the, the FGL Florida grid league, like what, what are the caliber of, of athletes? Are they, would you consider them pro? And then what do you do or how would someone at a lower, you know, lower level or earlier level, how would they do grid? Like what's the, how does that all work? Yeah. So one of the big initiatives uh, for the Florida grid league is to been to develop different methods for all levels of fitness uh, to participate, try it, play it, learn it. And so uh, we have, we have two primary ways that we do that. Now one is called grid six. It's basically like across the competition where there's different, um, you know, divisions according to skill level. And then a team of six signs up with their friends, their training partners, and goes out and throws down within their division. Um, So anybody can sign up for these competitions. They're one day events. And, um, you know, it's basically like scored like across the competition where each race has individual winners within that race. And then the overall cumulative score comes down to the end. But the caveat is uh, the top four uh, teams in a given grid six, the last event is the top two teams going against one another uh, to find out who the winner is. So it all comes down to the last race to determine the winner. Cause that's the yes, pressure's so. on. The pressure's on, hey. but that's the essence of grid is you don't know who wins until that last race. So that's how we kind of bring the grid experience into a more uh, traditional format where more teams can participate. Um, the other way that we do it is called grid in house. Uh, and so you basically form a grid team amongst your gym and you go play against another uh, grid team or another gym. And so um, 
those are very customizable to the environment of a gym, uh, depending on skill level. And so depending on um, how into it we get, we'll, we'll sit down with two gyms that want to participate and we'll figure out what kind of landscape of, of uh, players they have. And then we'll, we'll program a match for them. Uh, and then they come in and uh, one will be the home gym, one will be the way gym. They might switch next time. Uh, and it's a freaking blast. Like, you know, these teams have a wide range of skill sets on them. Like you take the, your top 18, top 15 players, uh, or it doesn't even have to be your top. It could be anybody that wants to play. And you're going to have some higher skill set players. You're going to have some people that are newbies. And, um, and just having that range on a team is a pretty special thing because, you know, you got people playing on the same team with, you know, what they might consider their inspiration or, you know, at a level that they could never attain at least anytime soon. Uh, and that's a pretty powerful connection and bond. So anyway, those are two of the primary ways that any skill level uh, can participate in the sport of grid that we've developed so far. I remember back in uh, when I had my, before I moved my, my gym to a new gym, the earlier gym we had, it was a much bigger space and, they 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 had these roll up mats and you would like roll them out and we put them in we so in my gym we ran like a couple saturdays we just did for the saturday class we were doing like races and it was awesome like it was just as good i mean you know it's like the excitement is there and people are screaming because it's like always coming down to the wire and like yeah. it's like near panic trying to get this stuff done and you know that that brings up a a point like with with certain movements, right? So when we're looking at uh, grid, there's sometimes quite complicated movements. So if you go on mm -hmm. if you go on TikTok or Instagram, you'll see these uh, you know pretty insane movements. Like you know, I don't even know what are what are some of the crazier movements. Uh, we got backward rolls, the support, uh, butterfly muscle ups, freestanding handstand push ups. Um, what else we got? Back up rise, double touch, triple touch. And these are like highly skill focused. Now at the, at the low, you know, lower levels, you can easily scale down the movement. So you're getting the same, the same thing, but with, you know, quote unquote, easier movements. And so is that kind of what happens with the, like the six and these different things? Are you, do, are you uh, doing certain movements that are easier for people? Yeah, we actually have uh, a kid's version of grid as well. So it's called kid's grid. And they play between the adults when we have matches. So they'll come out and they do things like burpee box jump overs. And, um, you know, they'll do like skips over bars. And then they have very light bar movements. They have, you know, med ball cleans, things like that. So um, it is completely scalable. We, you know, you can run a grid match on completely body weight movements like burpees and push-ups and squats and and you know, take, you know, it's, it's a great way to keep, uh, like 12, uh, kids entertained for an hour. Um, and they will be incredibly engaged. It's insane how much they pay attention when they're on a team trying to beat another team, but doing things that they can do, you know what I mean? So that's actually been one of the things that's grown the fastest and gotten the most attention is, is kids grid is just, they absolutely love it. And then of course, when they come out and play, and then the big boys and the big girls come out to play. They can't like they, they're like, Oh, wow. You know? <laughs> and, 
and they like get autographs and things like that. It's, it's really a really cool ecosystem to see because the kids, they, you know, kids love sports and this, you know, this scales it so that everybody can participate all different body types, even ages span together and can participate together. And, um, and it just, it's, it's a blast. It's so much fun. And, you know, you had mentioned earlier, like there's been a lot of evolution maybe since, since I was involved in, in taking a look and what are the big things that you found that has increased that excitement, like little tweaks um, mm-hmm. that you've seen in races or structure um, that as you've gone, you've made adjustments to that'll make the sport, you know, more sticky or more exciting. What are some of those things? Uh, a, a couple of, a couple of things is, is the, the, the programming. Uh, as far as, you know, you can have exciting moments in the middle of races if you have like clear defining moments that two teams are working for at the same time that have things where that is apparent, like distance. So anytime we can get distance involved, uh, we do because you can visually see where each team is very simply and easily. Um, and you then like a horse race, like you can see. Yeah. Like, oh, this one's in front. This group's in front. And you're like waiting, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So that's like anytime we can get distance in there, we do. But um, also biasing shorter. So um, this was an evolution from the CrossFit mindset and myself included, you know, as CrossFitters, it's like you better grind yourself into the ground or you're not doing a good job. You know what I mean? Um, You've got to have more reps than you can physically do efficiently for it to be an effective workout and therefore you've got a certain stimulus a certain feeling you're going for or you didn't you didn't even work out barely you know what i mean mm-hmm. as it's like if you're not gasping on the floor at some point during a competition and and walk away feeling like you got hit by a truck then it wasn't a good time you know right. um, and so detaching ourselves from that kind of thought process mentality and feeling took a lot of work but the more we do and the more we simplify and streamline and shorten the races, the more exciting they are, the more specialties get to shine and the less the athletes get beat up. So the athletes still have to create that disconnection themselves. Like you think about weightlifting where people will travel across the globe to lift a, a barbell six times, you know, right. or discus or something. They, they have three throws like 15 Um, seconds of work total or something. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that's a very popular and demanding competition physically and mentally. But, uh, you know, we have a ton of CrossFitters that, that, um, we are trying to detach that mindset from and be more of like, you know, a closer doesn't complain that they come in and throw six pitches. They would, they want to throw less pitches, you know? Um, and so, uh, if we can, uh, you know, develop more of that mindset of people that, uh, are looking to fill their role the best they can, and that's them, you know, their main mission. And that's like a fulfilling experience in itself. And there's nothing stopping us, but we're biasing that direction more and more because it ultimately leads to a more, a closer, more exciting match. Um, but we, there's a balance. There's a balance to everything. We, we've got to, you know, make it so that, you know, everybody has a fulfilling experience on the team. And that's a very important component. But the other thing is our distribution opportunities like TV shows and, and TV networks who we've been in contact with and talked with, they want shorter content as well. They want shorter matches. Um, they, they feel 
uh, humans' attention span is biasing shorter and shorter, and that a three-hour football game is probably too long. And if it wasn't for the fact there's all this history with what it is, then they would push it shorter and shorter. So new sports coming onto the scene, they try and make them shorter and shorter. And I think it makes sense. So. Yeah, you know the attention span. We just we we're just reading a book, uh, "Mind Hacking Happiness." I mean, we were talking mm-hmm. about it, and in that book, uh, the guy Sean Webb is talking about attention span and how like we have now been surpassed by the goldfish or whatever, like human beings. <laughs> and then yeah. Sean Buck uh, just posted in our Slack. He was saying that like, well, if goldfish had TikTok and all these things, then their attention span right. would be dropped too. But right, right. going back to you know shorter things, this brings up the point of like you know, one of the dangers of, of fitness is, um, fatigue, right? Like doing things under a high level of fatigue. This is also part of what fitness is. Like you've got to be able Mm -hmm. to do under fatigue, but generally would you say that grid the, you know, the chances of injury are less because people are more neurologically fresh when they're doing things. So they're coming, they're not grinding through a hundred reps of something. They're like doing something sharp and fast, and then they're able to recover from it and then come back and have high quality movement. Is that kind of what you see? Uh, you know, it, it's difficult because, you know, a weightlifter can walk out on the platform completely fresh, but they're maxing out their lift. So there's still a high, there's a risk, quote unquote, there's a high degree, quote unquote, high degree of risk associated with a maximum effort lift with a lot of weight over your head. Um, And you see injuries in weightlifting all the time. You see injuries in, um, in CrossFit too. But the, the reality is people see some of our movements and think, Oh, that's crazy. That's bad for your joints. You know, you do repeated movements, but not the, you know, the average set for a grid player is 10 to 15 reps. Mm -hmm. The average set. A lot of them are a lot lower, especially on, on the more complex movements. So, uh, the grid player is not going out there and, uh, you know, performing them three times a week over the course of six months. You know, that's just, there's no reason to do that. Um, and there are grid players that overtrain certain movements, just like there are, you know, football players that, you know, hit pads too many times when they shouldn't be. Um, but that's part of sports. And, and what I generally say is like, it's impossible to determine the, uh, you know, whether or not uh, under fatigue is riskier than max load or high repetition is riskier than, um, you know, complete exhaustion, um, at, unless you look at statistics. But the reality is our sport is uh, a lot less risky than, you know, football or rugby or MMA. Um, there's no head injuries. There's no brain damage. Um, you know, when you look at things like, uh, you know, surfing or skateboarding or rock climbing, um, you know, there's loss of life, uh, that happens fairly frequently, unfortunately associated with those sports. So, um, you know, people talking about injury in our sport is, is frankly quite silly compared to that. If you're worried about people injuring themselves playing sports, you know, go to those more riskier, well-known sports that are risky. And the only, and it's not people's fault. The the only reason they think that way is because, you know, CrossFit has created a uh, reputation for being risky for the average person who doesn't know what they're doing. Um, And so people tend to like call that out about anything that slightly resembles CrossFit. 
Um, so I, I don't blame people for thinking that way, but it's just when you when you understand the context of how the movements are performed, uh, especially in comparison to other popular sports today, it's one of the safest sports that exists out there. Yes, you're still pushing your body to its maximum limits. That comes with a, a layer of risk that is unavoidable, as with any sport that's played, except for maybe curling. Um, but you know, that's sports. Like some people choose to see what they're capable of in the world. And that comes with a level of risk that they're willing to do. And uh, there's nobody that, you know, sitting on their keyboard typing that should uh, really affect whether or not that's the case. The Chalk It Pro app will help build your bottom line and save you time every week on your business systems. Leverage their technology to add more personal training and remote coaching clients, build on your community culture through social engagement, and efficiently manage your time spent programming. Do all of this with one app, not three or four. Chocolate Pro is designed and built by gym owners to help gym owners. Find out more information at chocolatepro.com. Yeah, so it just basically, there is an inherent risk in any sport. And mm-hmm. if it's your passion and you want to apply some of the skills that you have, then you got to select a sport that's best going to do that. Uh, and generally fitness, like when people are doing fitness, grid is an awesome avenue as a sport to kind of express some of those things. Yeah. And another way I like to think about it is like, you know, I know intellectually that, that, uh, you know, snatching and doing muscle, muscle ups isn't the safest way to train possible. Like you could, you could just stay home and do curls and, and pushups and sit-ups. But for me personally, that's not enough for me to be fulfilled working out. And I've, I've done both. I've tried it. And I need that push of complexity and competition and, you know, seeing what I'm capable of to be motivated to continue on my fitness journey the way that I can. And that's part of the beauty of CrossFit and that, you know, it brings something out of you that you wouldn't have otherwise that you didn't know you could do. Um, but to me, I understand the riskiness of a muscle up compared to a push up, And I think it's worth it, you know, and I have the right to make that decision. So, um, and it's not even a question as to whether or not it's worth it for me. So, you know, that's just another way to like frame the risk associated with certain, certain things, because I, I am a healthier, more aware person because of taking that risk today. Um, and if I, you know, sustained an injury that took me out of being able to do it, I'd be sad, but I'd still wouldn't turn it, wouldn't change it again for, for anything, you know? Yeah. And I think, uh, one of the big reasons we created, um, level method was to be able to sort of slot people in to know what's appropriate and what's not. And that's one of the great things about CrossFit is expanding capacity. But I think the big problem is when someone is seeing this stuff and then they go and try to do it without having laid the groundwork. And I think that as long as somebody is doing, you know, they they have enough experience to whatever they're doing is appropriate for them to do, then that's the risk of sport and there's nothing. But if somebody comes in and they're not, they're not ready for something, not in in grid or whatever, if they come in and they just try to go climb a mountain and they don't Mm -hmm. have, you know what I mean? You can use it with anything. If you're not prepared that lack of preparation can really come back and bite you. So that's awesome, man. Um, You know, there are uh, a couple other topics uh, that, um, that I'd like to talk about. We covered grid pretty well. Do you have anything that you'd want to add about 
grid in general at a high level before we kind of go on to maybe some um, marketing stuff or maybe some productivity stuff? What's on your mind? Um, no, I think, I think that that mainly covers it. Um, you know, when you're talking about the safety element of, of level method, I think that's one of the things that really draws me to it is because, you know, when I first started in CrossFit in 2010, that was when, you know, the snatches in the CrossFit games were the ugliest things you've ever seen, you know, and they, you know, I think the max snatch in 2010, my first year was Jason Klepa was 205 pounds. You know, I can snatch more than that now, which is insane. Um, but it was also basically a muscle snatch. Um, and so, uh, you know, doing things before your body is ready is, is taking the highest risk possible associated with that movement. And so that's one of the things I love about level method is it takes the required, uh, you know, knowledge and skill set of a coach way down uh, as far as what's required to give a positive and safe experience to gym owners. And it also takes, or to gym members, and it also takes the um, unnecessary desire to perform at a higher level than your body is ready out of the equation, which is the biggest reason that people get injured doing CrossFit anyway. So when you take those elements out, it becomes way, way, way less risky and, and you still reap all of the benefits and the mental aspect of it is even better than if you were just out there, you know, like trying to do a kipping pull before you can do a strict pull, you know, and, and people trying over and over and over again when they can't do a strict pull a bit. That's the cringeworthy stuff where you're like, Ooh, yeah. like where's the coach involved? But, um, but yeah, so level method takes all of that out of it. And, and um, yeah, it's one of my favorite aspects about it. And it's just, you know, it's that structure, you know, that structure that really lays a foundation and, you know, part of, uh, tying this into sort of some marketing stuff, uh, part of level method within level method, we have this concept of power of moments. Um, and we've been working together. You've been working with level method, helping with marketing media and teaching me a lot about social media specifically and like maybe creating, um, you know, or using images, uh, that are really good. And I've learned a lot from you. And I was thinking that maybe what would be cool is, uh, a high level, just overview of some of the important factors when somebody, when a gym, you know, the, a gym owner has a gym, they're running workouts, they're taking pictures. They're like, this is a whole, one of the big things of level method is making sure that we're recognizing people for these uh, achievements, creating powerful moments, but you know, creating a powerful moment, there's there are good ways to do it. And then there are not so great ways to do it. And what are some of the fundamentals when it comes to say, posting a picture on, uh, on Instagram or whatever, that would be very useful for Jim owner to know It's something that I wish that I had known earlier. And I know the answer, but I'm going to let you answer it. <laughs> oh, I love this question. This, this is a juicy question. Um, there, there's this thing that a lot of gym owners do that is shooting themselves in the foot when it comes to social media. And this, that is to take like the first generation iPhone and like snap these weird, awkward pictures of their members that are all dark and, and, and like, you know, maybe there's like grease on their lens or something. So it's all like smudged and, um, 
you know, those pictures or doing an Instagram live and it, and it's all like dark and dingy. And that is not painting a good picture of your gym. That is painting a picture that it's like freaky in your gym. Um, just, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect or, or highly choreographed or uh, it doesn't have to be nice photography, but it does have to be bright, clear, um, you know, it doesn't even have to be compelling, but just, you know, capturing those moments where hopefully there's something positive going on in your gym uh, and making sure that you wipe the lens off of your phone or whatever you're using to take the picture and that you have, you know, a lighting source that's behind you so that whatever you're looking at looks bright um, and inviting and welcoming is going to go a, a long way to painting a positive picture about your gym on social media rather than you know, looking like, I'll give you another example. You ever gone to a restaurant and like the pictures in the menu look like, you know, dirty and old and, you know, you can't, it looks like a pile of slop on a plate, you know, and you're like, I'm not going to eat here. That's, you know, that's like, that, that is the most unappetizing picture I've ever seen. But it tastes good. Right. Like, how do you, how do you, you can't relate that, right? You like, can't, it doesn't, it doesn't connect. So when, when, when people see, you know, these dark figures moving in, you know, in front of them and there's smudges and, you know, it looks kind of dull in there. And, you know, people don't want to go to that place. That's not a, a fun place of, you know, fulfilling experience. It's, it's subconsciously a dungeon, you know, and nobody wants to go to a dark, dingy place. And, you know, somebody, someone might be wondering, like, because you do have a background in marketing, but uh, in terms of like a little bit of proof, when you started with FGL, you started, you obviously started at zero, right? Like mm -hmm. all the followers. So where are you now? Instagram, FGL, where, where are the, the followers and like, what are the numbers about? Um, yeah, we're, we're five years in since we started our accounts and we're at 300,000 followers on Instagram. And I think we got 280 some thousand on TikTok. So those so, are our two main platforms. Clearly, whatever you're doing is working. This is why, like, when we started working together, I'm like, okay, dude, just tell me whatever <laughs> we got to do. Because I think that, you know, uh, gym ownership or entrepreneurship, and we can talk about some of this too, because this is like a little bit behind the scenes sort of stuff. But mm -hmm. we start a business and there are a lot of different hats we have to wear. And there's a lot of different things we got to do. And there's like, you got to do your social media. You got to make sure you're taking care of members. You got to be making sure the gym. And over time, you start to learn you need a team, you need processes, you need these things in place. But some of these just very fundamental ideas like clear shots and something that I've learned from you, um, you know, when we do our social media is you want to be highlighting like expressions mm -hmm. and you want to make sure that people there's excitement in the picture. And, and for a lot of people listening, that might be pretty obvious, but you'll see it all over the place. And for many years, I wasn't, I was like, step one is like, let's just get consistent with posting. Right. And once you can get consistent with poke, okay. Step two now is how do we make it a little better, make it more refining, mm -hmm. like refining it. So um, what are your, like in terms of managing social media for like a gym that's maybe just doing Instagram, um, what would you say, like some of the rules or some of the things that someone should be thinking about a gym owner, what should they be focused on if they're just getting started, or maybe they have a pretty good social media presence, but they want to up their game a little bit, maybe like refine some things, get some process in place. What should they do? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's two main things. One is 
um, incentivize sharing amongst your members uh, because it's basically a referral. When somebody shares something from a gym account, they are showcasing something they're proud of. Um, and so highlighting each individual member in a way that makes them want to share it is gold because that's a referral to the hundred or a thousand people that follow them. So, um, so highlighting you know, an individual, making sure that the post is quality, that the person that sees it is going to be proud of that to want to mm -hmm. share it and be like, look at this badass thing I did essentially. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, as far as like the post types, and we've talked a little bit about this, but imagery, real life pictures that aren't super staged tend to do a lot better than super designed graphic-y looking things. Um, and, you know, when a company posts a logo on their social media, nothing but a logo. And, you know, there's, this is like one of our kind of secrets, but the percentage of engagement is a fraction of if you, they post live photos too. People don't want to see logos and graphics. They want to see real human beings on social media. And so um, if you have, you, you could be paying a design firm thousands of dollars to give you the highest quality graphics, but if they're cutting people out and showing them in unnatural ways and with a lot of text and, you know, layers, people just going to swipe right past it. And if you don't believe me, look at an account that has both. If you have an account that has a bunch of graphics and then a bunch of, you know, lifestyle imagery and, and video, the imagery and video is going to outperform hundred X. Um, and so if you look at the FGL accounts and you scroll through our, our uh, account, you won't see any graphics, none, because the opening screen will never be a graphic because that'll get scrolled every time. So real life human beings doing cool things, showing expression, um, you know, like you said, there's an engaging element to it one way or the other. And the best posts have multiple engaging elements. Um, but if it's telling the story of your community and uh, of the gym, that's an engaging element. If it's a member that a lot of people respect and love, that's another engaging element. If they're doing something impressive, that's another engaging element. So the combination of all of these things are giving lots of people reasons to stop and look at it. And then the people that are subject to that post to share it, which got, which, you know, creates opportunity for more people to stop and look at it. And that's how things start getting momentum and reaching farther. Um, and then ultimately creating more benefit for social media accounts. The level method helps keep regular folks interested in their fitness for longer because we can show them a specific path and then help them steadily reach their goals safely. It's a total game changer that creates powerful moments they'll never forget. Go to levelmethod.com to find out more. Yeah, it's, you know, because what, like a great example of that, that we have just been kind of, you know, exploring is our power of moments posts in level method, right? So if anybody goes to level method Instagram and scrolls through and you can go and you can go back and see when we used to do these, we'd rec we recognize everybody that gets a level up, right? So we take the most exciting pictures of people getting level up 
level levels ups, <laughs> however it is, however, whatever the word is. Now, what we did originally, we would put all of the pictures on one thing. So it was like, if you remember back in the day, I mean, they're probably still happening, but level ones at CrossFit. And there's like on the main site, you'll see like just picture after picture of groups of images of people. And it's just like, okay, that's kind of what we were doing with our power of moments. And what we did is we switched that and we took the top 10 images. So we scraped the images. We take the top 10 most exciting ones. And then we put the, the most exciting one first. And now that creates engagement because as someone's scrolling through, they're not seeing some big blob of a whole bunch of busyness and a whole bunch of stuff. They're, they're dialing into a, either an individual expression or, you know, body language that's showing excitement and someone's like, Ooh, and then we'd swipe. And that just since doing that, we, the, the amount of, you know, clicks on and swipes and all that stuff has dramatically increased. And that's just exactly what you're saying is like, you want to make sure that you're highlighting and not trying to be so, prof I mean, we don't want to say don't be professional, but when I say professional, mm -hmm. I mean, like, with all the graphics and I'm trying to be corporate, maybe corporate's mm -hmm. a better word. And right. when you're, when you have a gym and you have 150, 200, hundred, however many members, sometimes you can think that, Oh, corporate is going to make people think that we were even better. Like we're mm -hmm. like, we're taking a step, but really what that does is it doesn't connect with the individual. And so it doesn't work as well. So I think that just these basic ideas have can dramatically increase the amount of engagement, the amount of shares and all that stuff, which is what social media is all about. Like why the heck is anybody posting if it's not to have an effect, a positive effect on the business. So mm -hmm. any like gold nuggets or things that you think uh, would be valuable, like just a tip or a trick, like a single thing that a gym owner could do, to leverage something. Is there anything on your mind uh, when it comes to that? Yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, gym owners aren't necessarily doing anything revolutionary to the point where, you know, they can share a post and, you know, of their gym and it's going to get astronomical go viral type reach because, you know, it's a gym environment and it's not something that people haven't seen before. But that being said, um, the, the people inside are that like gold aspect of your gym that you want to highlight in a way that makes them want to share. Um, and then the, you know, all you really need to reach are your friends or your members, friends and their family. And then when they are reached, they're reached. So just developing a strategy where that's the focus is like, how can I tell the story of my gym and what goes on in here and the positive effect it has in a way that's going to reach my members' friends and their friends? And that's it. And as a gym owner, that strategy uh, would include having more engaging posts and having quality posts and things like that. But more importantly, you know, defining the types of content that's going to have that effect. So things that celebrate those members, that highlight their achievements, that show them having an amazing time, that talk about the components of what you're doing on a daily basis that creates positivity in people's lives. Um, those are the things that when they reach those people, 
will have the effect that you want because all of those people, the thousands and thousands of people that those are, the friends of friends that are connected on social media accounts, there's a big percentage of them that want what you have and they want what you're giving as long as you run a good gym. And so all you got to do is show that, you know, and, and in a way that people want to share and show again. And if you do that, there's no limit to the power that a social media account can have. And you can go from a gym that's struggling to a highly effective gym just by reaching those thousands and thousands of people a little bit better because you're going to get hundreds of people that want what you have to give just by doing that. So, I mean, this is something I learned from you do quality over quantity, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you can do one awesome post that's going to get shared, highly engaged versus 10 that don't get any engagement or are getting followers from places that aren't going to actually affect your business, right? It's better to have quality over quantity and be talking to the members that you have and talking to their friends and family as a priority over you know, numbers or we got to post every day because that's the rule that we said or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one people fall trap into is that, uh, you know, if I post every day, it's going to do better. But unfortunately the reality is if you post every day, but it's not quality content, you're doing two things. You're telling, uh, people that you're posting that not quality content. So they become conditioned to skip over. And, and they say, okay, there's nothing really from this account that I like to see. So they skip it. That means it's going to be shown to them less and less. And so they're not, they're not necessarily going to unfollow, but they're just, right. they're, they've unfollowed in their brain. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so uh, the algorithm will respond and, and suppress you even more. So, um, you know, like you said, speaking to your community. So posting for your community but in a way that they want to share and they engage with and they value so that when they see, oh, here's a post from my gym, I'm going to look and see what's going on. I'm conditioned to stop the scroll, absorb it, maybe share it, maybe, you know, read it or something because I've, I've gotten value in the past from it or whatever, or I see my friends or I can learn something that's going on. Um, then, then you, then you've won. And, and the, yeah, as far as I understand, nobody knows these algorithms completely, but as far as I understand it, that you can post once a week on Instagram, but if that one post does really well, you can have four or five, 10 times the amount of reach and engagement on a single post than you would if you posted seven times a graphic post that people scroll past the second they see it, because it's not doing Instagram any good to show people that if they're not going to engage with it. So they're going to show it to more people if they see a level of engagement within each post, even if you post once a week or once every two weeks, I'm not suggesting that's what you do. But like you said, once you get into a way of, okay, I'm, I'm making some posts now. Okay. Now I turn up the frequency. If I have a system to, to maintain the quality, um, you know, without, uh, you know, while increasing my capacity as well, you know? You know, and that's like when you think about time and the amount of time it takes to sometimes build posts and like what you're trying to say, it's one of the reasons why we have in Level Method this social media service, which is like they're done for you posts, but it's it's not necessary. I mean, some of them are specific to your people. So it's like a level up mm -hmm. or something like mm -hmm. that, but they're they're more like education posts. They're more like engagement posts for your members 
And then you can layer on top specific things like that. So ideally you're posting high quality content all the time, right? So like in the best case scenario, every single day you'd have badass posts to go out and people are engaging with it, but we don't have necessarily, we don't have that time. Like people in Mm -hmm. general, if you, you got to hire a social media manager or something. So the, the best of both worlds is to sort of have a done for you element. And then also, and I'm not trying to make this a pitch somehow it became a pitch, (laughs) but it's just, uh, just, I was just thinking about it. Like when that's why we have this social media service is just for this reason so that people can, gym owners can get high quality stuff out, but still have the time to do all of this stuff, which is specifically highlighting members with engaging personal posts that are uh, like highlighting someone's, uh, uh, so they're celebrating their accomplishments. It's showing their face. It's showing joy. It's showing excitement. Um, all of these things, this is like what, what Alex is really good at and has in my gym, she did all of the social media stuff and she would take all these pictures. We had a really nice camera at the gym, take a picture uh, like with a digital camera, like a full on digital camera, you know, one of those like cannons or whatever. I don't even know what I'm talking about, but all mm-hmm. these different and then would take them all, put them on and then go through all of the pictures and select the best ones. And those would go on Facebook. And so it was like this, this really awesome system that we have. And we're running out of time. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. Maybe we can spend five or six minutes um, going over some just productivity stuff. Cause anybody that knows yeah. level method knows us internally, we're very, uh, and productivity is a buzzword that I'm not a big fan of. It's like, you know, we want to be oh so productive and be grinding and all that, but it's, it's more about being able to get done, get more done with less effort um, and to be able to be focused on the most important things and to get like the team on board with certain things. So we're all moving in the right direction. So, um, you know, at a high level, like we've done a lot of talking on it, but uh, what would you say in terms of like managing a team or um, with your own personal productivity, like making making sure things get done? What are your big um, tenants or the, you know, the, some of the big rules or some of the lessons that you've learned over the last, you know, few years as you've been growing FGL, um, and you've probably noticed that if you let it more and more will pile and pile and pile up. And how do you, how do you manage that? You know, how do you do it with your business? Yeah. So um, one of the big reasons I love being involved with level method is because it has reformed. And like, like you're, we were talking about, we talk about this all the time. I've learned a ton from you about the personal system defining that, you know, I read Getting Things Done uh, a couple of years ago, but the concepts I understood, but I didn't implement in the same way. Like I went through some of the practices, but it just didn't connect. And um, and then as I started getting more and more involved with Level Method, it started. And of course, I had a form of a personal system prior to, but it was very sporadic. It was very disorganized. It was very, it had a lot of opportunity for things to slip through. So um, reforming it, redefining it. Um, I think the biggest thing is there's a lot of people out there doing some really important high level stuff that don't have any kind of personal system. And they just feel like forgetting things, not getting back to people, um, you know, having to scramble when they've forgotten something is just part of it. Like that's just normal. And, um, and that's not true, you know, and I don't know from working with you and, 
some other people that I really try to continue to work with because I enjoy it, nothing gets slipped through the cracks. You know, when there's a question, maybe there's one follow-up one way or the other, um, but that's it. Like there's no waiting around. There's no missed deadlines. There's no, it's five minutes after the meeting time and, and they're not here yet. Um, and it's like clockwork, you know, and, and I know when we have a meeting, we're both going to be there at, at, on time. I know that like, if we say there's, you know, three things like randomly in a meeting that need to get done for each other, they're all three going to get done by both of us. And those are the little things that the average company, I think, you know, maybe that's not right. Maybe especially a newer company. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just expected that, you know, okay, you have a meeting, you, you come to 10, you know, outcomes that need to take place. Eight out of 10 of them don't have a first step associated. So they're automatically gone. Like there's nothing going to happen. It's with too them. big. And, like, it's, <laughs> yeah. and then there's two that are really, really important, but you know, who's next or what the next step is, is kind of ambiguous. And, um, and so the personal system has raised my productivity. I would say more from uh, the ability to do a wider range of things and keep track of more individual small things, because I would spend, you know, I, my productivity when it came to a single product project has increased, but not near as dramatic as my productivity in a wide range of requirements. You know what I mean? So, you know, building a team, keeping track of each person, making sure they have what they need, um, having, you know, player, you know, 150 players, eight team owners, uh, 20 sponsors, um, our own with individual uh, team within the FGL, all of these people have different needs, requirements, things to follow through with. So keeping track of all of that amongst my sister and I is a real challenge that if we didn't have a personal system uh, for, it would be completely impossible, quite frankly, you know? So um, it's incredibly important. And it's one of those things where people kind of like know they need to do it. They kind of roll their eyes like, oh, you know, I don't, uh, you know, it's just another thing that I don't really think is going to have a big deal, but it is a life and game changer. Um, it's, it, and it's not just about business either. It's like, you know, you have, everybody has things they want to accomplish in their personal life that um, you say, oh man, I'd really love to do that someday. Um, and then they never really think about it again or don't ever take steps. But this allows a method in a way to like take steps towards actually doing it. Do you really want to do that? Why? And if so, how are you going to do it? And then what are the steps to making that happen? And then documenting them and making a plan and building time around them. And all of those things the average person doesn't do. And therefore, they don't do a lot of the things that would really will fulfill them in their life. Um, because taking that next step and that organizing to make sure that that happens is such a daunting thing when you don't have a method and a plan to do it and a way to, to kind of organize and, and, and plan it. So. Yeah. Like in the early part of that, like when you were just talking right now, what popped into my mind and one of the original reasons why I became pretty obsessed with a personal system was because <laughs> integrity, it's integrity yeah. with yourself and others. So like, I can't tell you how many times, I mean, you can ask anybody that knew me from 2011, I mean, before that too, but 2011, when I started the gym, 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, it's like, oh yeah, I'll get that to you. Totally forget. 
Oh, I, I say to myself, oh, I want to start doing that. Totally forget. You know, and it just you just it just evaporates, and so you don't, you're not able to maintain integrity. And I think that's like one of the biggest things is if you say you're going to do something, like if you have a structure or a system in place, you can put it in that thing, and then you know you're going to look at it later. Otherwise, if you don't have that thing, that structure or a system to put something into, you got to hold it in your head. And there's a finite amount of space that you can hold things in your head and you're going to forget something, right? If you have a bunch of stuff, you're like, oh, I'll remember that. You're going to forget it, right? This is just the nature of how our brains work. So I think that's very cool. Anybody that's listening um, that wants to know more about a personal system, how to develop it, we have been doing a series of blogs on Level Method where you can go through, we call it COPE, right? Capture, organize, plan, engage, which is a a play off of GTD's uh, steps, but it's more geared towards gym owners and professionals and people who are uh, working. And it's just a step-by-step process of building out a a personal system for yourself because it does make a big difference. Um, So yeah, we're, we're pretty much out of time Mather, do you have anything that you want to share in terms of how people can get in touch with you um, if they want to get involved with the FGL um, or if they want to, they have a gym, they want to get involved with maybe running some stuff at their gym uh, or just in general, what, how do people get in touch with you and what, what are your final thoughts? Yeah. So one thing about the personal system before we leave that uh, I think, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about this. And my sister and I do too, because she's got an incredible personal system. She's had one for way forever. She's been trying to get me into it. But regardless, everybody has people in their lives that when they say they're going to do something, you have zero faith that that's actually going to happen. Um, and and you when you hear them say, oh, yeah, I'll get that to you, you almost think there's such a small chance they're actually going to that I don't even know why I asked type thing. Nobody wants to be that person. But everybody has a tendency to be that person in certain situations. Mm-hmm. And so this is a way to not be that person. And, you know, and you said something about being incongruent with yourself. And like, the more you say things, but don't follow through, the more you're okay with it. And that starts to apply to other things in your life. And that's, you know, that's how you really be, you know, you lose integrity, like you said. So it's not just a productivity. It's, it's really... Uh, living in congruence with yourself and, you know, and, and, and living a better life because, you know, people can rely on you. They believe what you have to say and, um, and you can follow through on the same. So it's just such an important thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I love that. I love it. It's perfect. It's exactly, I mean, I've always wanted to be a capable person. I want to be capable. I want to be, I want to be dependable. I want to make sure if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. There's no doubt there's no chance because you don't want to leave someone hanging and like be that sort of person and i think that i mean it's right in line with the way i think for sure nobody wants to be that unreliable person that everybody's like oh god this guy like if i want to get something done or if i tell them to be there somewhere they're going to be 15 20 minutes like that kind of thing is a repeatable pattern and can progress worse or can progress better you know so um when you start to be okay with just saying you know I'm going to, you tell somebody you're going to do something, even in the back of your own mind, you're not really going to do it, you know, Um, then that, that's an issue. So um, that's when you should start taking steps to look. Yeah. But if you're running a gym and you're like that, it's, you're not, you you just can't be successful. It's impossible. Yeah. 
for sure. So, um, if someone did want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? What's the, what are the steps? Yeah. So, uh, uh, FL grid league, uh, is, is our Instagram handle. Um, our website is floridagridleague.com or thefgl.com. And, um, there's plenty of ways to get in touch there. There's a lot of information about the sports. Um, we always want people that would be interested in being involved at any level to get in touch because we've had some people that are really involved with the organization now be so thankful that they did um, because they really resonate with what the sport is and what it does. So highly recommend if any of this uh, resonates, get in touch and we'll, we'll figure out a way to take it to the next step. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Uh, I know it's been a while, like in terms of months of when we've been trying to get you on, but um, I'm super glad we were able to do this and uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. I'm going to see you probably in the next couple of days. So I'll see you soon, man. Thanks for being on. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Gym Mastery Podcast. If you know someone who might like it, please share it with them. And if you're a gym owner wondering about the level method, uh, in a nutshell, it's a step-by-step fitness progression system that's fun, engaging, and easy to use so that regular folks in your gym can reach their fitness goals safer and faster than ever before and become raving fans of your gym. If that sounds interesting, please go to levelmethod.com to get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.